Happy Friday. Hello. How you doing? It's what's up? I'm Corey. I'm Holly. And this is Sister Strange. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. That's good. How's it feel to be out of the retail world? Uh-huh. Um, I will feel more comfortable when I know hear back from the places I've interviewed with. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Kind of really nice, actually. Um, I had a friend who was talking about a difficult customer situation, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, theoretically, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Not in the capacity that you are. Mm. So, anything exciting going on? Oh, you know, the same stuff, different week. Same old, same old? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, what are we working on this week, kid? This week, we are doing a fun collab on a case that pretty much everyone knows about at this point, I feel like. Yeah, I'm... You'd be hard pressed to find someone who hasn't, who doesn't know at least something about this, about this particular situation. Yeah. yeah we haven't done a joint episode since, what was it, episode four? Something like that. Something like that. So we are going to be covering today the death of Elisa Lamb. Um, and before we get started, we just want to make sure that we are very clear that we are handling Elisa's story as respectfully as we possibly can. Um, her death is unfortunately and very consistently sensationalized and understandably so. It, there's a lot of wild things going on here. Um, but Elisa was a person first and foremost, and her family are still in the process of grieving a loved one. So we put that out there right now. Um, I don't know about you, Hall, but I kind of want to avoid, or I've, I've, we didn't write like an official script. <laughs> we sort of bullet pointed and sort of talking points on this one because it is a very a, a joint episode. Um, but I want to sort of avoid the, I don't want to say hokey, but the really hokey, like paranormal situations with this. Um, the very paranormal and the very almost conspiracy theory. Yeah, so I want to avoid that because, again, this is this was a a, a person. Elisa was a person, and she had hopes and dreams and feelings. And I don't think it's fair that a lot of times her death is reduced to a really compelling video and the provenance of the hotel she died in. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, what do we know, first and foremost? So, Elisa Lam was a 21-year-old Canadian, uh, Chinese-Canadian student attending the University of British Columbia at Vancouver. When she died, when this whole incident happened, she was not registered in early 2013. What else do we know? We know her body was discovered almost three weeks after she was reported missing floating in the Cecil Hotel's water tank after guests um, complained about the water tasting strangely, having low water pressure, and there were some reports that the water was even coming out black. What else do we know? Well, we know that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder 
and depression, and she was medicated for these con uh, conditions with Welbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquel, and Effexor. We'll come back to those. Um, but she kept her struggle with mental health a secret. So as far as we know, there were no suicidal thoughts, tendencies, history of attempts, anything like that. Um, we also know that Elisa was a fashion blogger. She had a real passion for fashion and design and style. Um, and that's what I believe that's what she was attending University of British Columbia at Vancouver for. Mm hmm. So let's break down what happened. Elisa arrived in LA on January 26th and contacted her parents in British Columbia every day while she was traveling. Um, at one point she was in a shared room, but moved to a single due to odd behavior. So, and, and none of, I don't know if you noticed this, but none of the sources, which we'll talk about sources in a little bit. Um, none of the sources I used to research mentioned Elisa moving voluntarily it was the other people in her room saying she's doing some weird stuff yeah um so sometime in the week between her arrival in LA and checking into the Cecil and her death something went wrong with her mental state um, we, or what we can do is assume something went wrong with her mental state. We have no proof of that. Um, but the assumption is pretty, it's pretty sound to make the assumption that something, something was a little off. She was last seen alive January 31st, 2013 at a local bookstore. Do you know what that bookstore is called? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was called The Last Bookstore, which is sort of ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know what I recall hearing is that um, the police actually spoke to the proprietor of the last bookstore or the woman that, that helped Elisa while she was shopping. Um, and she was really excited about the book she was bringing back and, and the gift she was going to give her family when she returned home. Um, so this is sort of where the no suicidal thoughts, tendencies, history that we know of comes in um, because everything she seemed very intent on getting home. Yeah. Mm hmm. So on February 1st, um, the infamous elevator video was taken, which we'll come back to that um, because it's kind of a thing on its own. Um, within the next couple of days, Lisa's parents called the LAPD, who extensively searched the hotel. They did um, they did what they could to do right by Lisa on that level. Um, obviously. They didn't search the roof area right off the bat um, because there was no indication. And again, we will come back to why the um, why that wasn't necessarily their first place no. to look. Yeah. Um, and then on either February 6th or the 14th, I know there were a couple of press conferences and I'm getting conflicting reports. Um, the elevator video is released by LAPD. And again, we will talk about the video in more detail um, shortly, but they released a video, they released photos saying, if you've seen this young lady, contact us. Um, I don't think they considered her to be a danger to herself or others. Um, I haven't seen, I couldn't find any of these LAPD press conferences, um, which they may be out there. I just didn't find them. 
So on February 19th, maintenance employee Santiago Lopez discovered Elisa's body after investigating the water tanks on the hotel's roof following guest complaints. Now, the odd thing about this was the door to the roof is alarmed and the lid to the tank is about 20 pounds. Elisa was very, very petite. She had a very small frame. So Mm -hmm. it's not to say that she wouldn't be able to move it on her own, but I feel like she would struggle with it a little bit. However, there is an unalarmed fire escape that does lead up to the roof. Mm -hmm. And so that 20 pound lid was open. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, um, that's the not weird thing, but it's, and again, we'll sort of, we'll we'll get there. Um, So the autopsy report resulted in her toxicology only confirming her prescribed medication, no alcohol, no illegal drugs. Um, She took one antidepressant the day that she died and took another antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not that day and had not had her antipsychotic recently. So, okay, sorry, no, 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 you're good. So I'm not medicated, probably should be um, for my own well-being. But I do know that going off your mood stabilizers and antidepressants and antipsychotics is dangerous business. I am medicated for my own well-being as well as other reasons. Um, And the biggest problem, especially when I was younger and first started taking my medication, um, my biggest problem was after a month or two, I would start to feel better and be like, oh, I don't need these anymore. Right. And then try to stop them. And then it's just not a fun time. (laughs) It's it's not something you can do. It's not. It's something you, it's something that you really, really have to talk to your doctor about. Um, especially I've switched between three or four different medications and it's always been a long process, even just from switching medications or finding mm-hmm. medications that don't interact, uh, conversely with each other. So coming off your medications, it is something that you can do if you so wish to do, if your doctor feels that is, it is in your best interest. If not, they can always try and adjust medications as needed, but coming off of them cold turkey is the worst thing that you can possibly do. Right. So here's the thing about about mood stabilizers and antidepressants is they're designed to make you feel maybe not better, but normal, right? Mm-hmm. So you go into the saying, oh, I feel good. I don't need this anymore, but the medication is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yep. You only feel that way because of your medication. Now, I'm a big proponent of if you need to be medicated, there's the meme, you know, if you can't make your own neurotransmitter, store-bought is fine. Um, They're like that for a reason, right? Because your body's not producing what it needs to, and and there's a chemical imbalance, and you're, like, you're uh, supplementing your own chemistry with a synthetic, which is fine. Yep, Um, and there there are even certain antidepressants, because I'm was on one of them and then it just didn't work out for me. There are certain medications that encourage your brain, encourages your body and your brain to make its own. So it's not necessarily synthetic. Mm-hmm. It's still your body making it, but it's just helping it make what it needs to make. Right. But either way, um, 
Elisa hadn't been taking her medication consistently. Um, now, I don't know how long or, or what tests can be or could have been done to figure out a time frame, like how long this medication stayed in her system. Um, but we do know her antipsychotic was not in her system. For as from what I can understand from like as switching meds being on and off meds, um, you usually start to feel the effects. And this is just my personal experience. Um, but even other people that I talk to that I know are on medication, um, you start to feel those effects sometimes as soon as 48 hours after you come off of them. Um, when I was switching from, it was, I don't remember, but from medication A to medication B, I would get the worst, worst migraines because they were in the process of lowering the medication plus putting me on a new medication. My body just didn't know what to do. Now, imagine coming off of a medication cold turkey, your brain just it's stopping getting what it needs. And for a lot of people, it can cause uh, headaches. It can cause psychotic breaks. It can cause all of these problems. So the time frame really depends on the medication. But from personal understanding, you can feel it within 48 hours up to like a week. Her cause of death was drowning with special circumstances. Um, there are also reports of Elisa taking Sudafed with her medications, which can cause mental breaks. This is super important, and I'm going to flat out say this. Talk to your pharmacist or talk to your doctor. Um, certain medications just don't work with antidepressants, antipsychotics, things like that. I cannot take most um, decongestants because of that reason right there. It will mess with my meds to the point where I will be so anxious and I can't breathe and it's not a fun time and when you have things like that counteracting your medication it's just a bad idea so talking to your doctor or talking to your pharmacist about drug interactions is super super important right so if Elise was suffering from a from a break right mm-hmm. because she had been taking Sudafed at some point in her stay at the Cecil that sort of explains a couple different situ- uh, things about the video, right? about the um, about the circumstance. So it would that interaction would explain why certain medications weren't in her system, um, and why certain ones what were. So it's very likely that Lisa um, she knew she had to take something in in whatever's going on in her head, but which ones. Mm-hmm. She necessarily couldn't figure out, which is why the antipsychotic. And again, we'll get to the video momentarily um, because the video is pretty compelling in what it's trying to tell us, I think. Yeah. Um, so in September of 2015, Elisa's um, parents filed a wrongful death suit against the Cecil Hotel. But it was dismissed since Elisa died in a part of hotel, the uh, hotel off limits to guests, which is tricky. I think um, because that door, the main door to get up to the roof, she was on the 14th, which is technically the 13th floor. Um, 
and it was that's alarmed but there's other unalarmed access to the roof mm-hmm. so i don't know california state law in regards to or federal law in regards to a wrongful death suit in this case but i think this wanders in a very strange gray area yeah uh, is it possible that the Cecil Hotel was, and it wasn't technically the Cecil Hotel then, um, is it possible that they were just covering up or covering themselves by saying this is an alarmed door? There's no reason she should have been up there. It's, it's an employee's only, possibly. Um, I think it's it's very it's a very gray. gray. I think it's very gray, but I'm not a lawyer. So let's talk about the video. Most people have seen the video. It runs less than three minutes long. Um, there's no audio. Um, so someone, uh, I one of our sources, one of the sources I've used is my favorite murder because one of their early episodes deals with the death of Elisa Lamb, um, and Karen, it's a beautiful quote for it. it says she's halfway between playing hide and seek and running from someone, mm-hmm. um, which there it's entirely true. So there are aspects of Elisa's body language and her behavior that are sort of playful. Like the one of the first things she does, she gets in, she pushes all the buttons. Um, now, the elevator doors are staying open this whole time because she's pressed all the buttons. Um, and again, we'll. One of the common theories is that the elevator doors stay open because someone is controlling them to stay open, which in some newer hotels, that is the case. There are controls for if something is going on. There are sensors that keep them open. There are um, there is human intervention. But this hotel was built in 1924. So the I likelihood don't. Of... Yeah, the technology for that just isn't there. So but. With older elevators, you push all the buttons, the elevator sort of freaks out, <laughs> and it can't figure out what it's supposed to do. So the elevator door stays open the entire three, like most of the three minutes of this this um, video. Pushes all the buttons. She's um, like jumping in and out of the elevator. At one point, she just sort of hops over the line, back in. She presses herself against the wall and sort of tucks into the corner. Um, she pokes her head around the corner, again, as if she's being followed. Um, and at one point, she steps out of the elevator, and she can see her sort of gesturing with her hands, talking mm-hmm. with her hands as if she's having a conversation with somebody. Now, the sad thing about the elevator video is that we don't see any other angles. There's just a camera mounted in the corner across from the button panel, and it catches maybe, maybe a three-foot radius outside of the um, elevator door. So Elisa may have been talking outside directly door. outside the elevator door. And not even a full three-foot. It's, it's like a funny wedge shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elisa may have been talking to somebody. We just don't know. Um, but, again, if she's having a mental break, if she's... She could be talking to someone that isn't necessarily isn't there. there. So... The issue, again, Sudafed and or decongestants and cold medication with mood stabilizers specifically is what what I seem to find um, is that they can cause visual and auditory hallucinations mm-hmm. if those medications interact the right way. So one of those medications may have been interacting with the Sudafed at that time. 
um, and she wasn't on her antipsychotic, Elisa may have been talking to someone who wasn't there, period, point blank. So it's only after Elisa completely leaves the frame do the elevator doors eventually close. And I think they open and close a couple times before the elevator starts moving. Mm -hmm. So what else do we know about the video? Um, Elisa seems to be wearing men's gym shorts. Um, A lot of people have said it's a skirt, which it's possible, but I'm more sure... I believe more that they are men's gym shorts. Um, Elisa was a fashion blogger. Um, so her and all the pictures kicking around of her. She's very nicely dressed. She's a beautiful young lady um, and incredibly bright. Um, so it seems unlikely that she'd be wearing something that oversized. Right. So are they someone else's clothes? Did she steal them from someone else in that shared room? Is that part of the reason that she was kicked out of that room? We don't know. We also know that a very small chunk of time was cut from the original video. So it's approximately two seconds is cut from different points of the video. Now, I don't know if that is to cover something up or if it's to just condense information um, because they're allegedly their moments where Lisa's out of frame. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very strange that time seems to be cut from the video of a, a missing a, person uh, at the time. It, at the time it was a missing person. What's also kind of strange. And I didn't notice this or realize this until later. Um, is the footage is slightly slowed. The, the footage released for the press conference was slightly slowed down. So I guess it was released at like 15 frames a second Mm -hmm. um, and it was recorded at like 20 frames a second. So it's slightly slowed down, which I don't quite understand the reasoning for that unless it's to let people get more screen time. Um, I mean, it's not the highest quality video. At the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And did, did I mention that there's no audio? Okay. It's so, CCTV yeah. footage, so there's usually no audio in those. Right. There's a lot of legality that goes into what you can and can't do with recording in public places yeah. or in places where people have reasonable expectations of privacy. Um, but the whole video, again, is very – it's unsettling at the end of the day because she is behaving not erratically but – I would say it's erratic behavior if it's uh, – to me, erratic behavior is defined as something that you wouldn't normally do, like something right. very out of the norm. Mm-hmm. So it's erratic, but it's not extremely erratic. Like Right. It's not polar. high energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Cecil Hotel real briefly, and then we'll sort of thoughts, chit-chat. Yeah. So the Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 and cost approximately one million dollars to build. I don't know if that's our like present day million or a million in 1924. Putting that out there. <laughs> um, it did well during the 1940s, but became but as the area became Skid Row. Um. It kind of diminished. 
Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker of the 1980s, and Jack Untevega, the Austria serial killer, both stayed at the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, it has also had many jumper suicides, so many that they stopped counting in 1931. It was renovated in 2007 and rebranded as Stay on Main in 2011. So a lot of times, the Cecil Hotel, or Stay on Main as it's known now, is said to be haunted by Richard Ramirez and Jack Untavega's um, victims. Um, and again, I don't want to get into that, honestly, because a lot of the speculation around Lisa's death mm-hmm. comes from that paranormal. So was she possessed by the devil? And no, I don't. I don't believe that. That's what happened no. to Lisa at all. Um, is it very unsettling that there have been so many jumper suicides? They, I mean, they began in 1931, and I have. I saw a record number of like 13 deaths, including Lisa at this particular hotel I again I heard that there were so many that they stopped counting so I don't know if they're just not things aren't being reported or recorded correctly correctly um but I think it's very unsettling that both Richard Ramirez um who that's a story man that he's a he's a thing and Jack Untavega um, who's not a serial killer I'm familiar with but I guess he was just not a good time. No. Uh, Not a good time. Um, like, took now, residence there. Like, stayed for, like, lengths of time. Now, have... And I'm going to assume this was done in the renovations. I know with a lot of... Especially larger hotels, you can't open the windows. Or I the don't windows. know... I don't know if that was part of their um, their renovations because it was under new management. So I don't know how much money was pumped into this thing because it was just... I mean, I would assume so, because I feel like that's a safety thing now, mm-hmm. like part of um, safety codes and things like that. But right. the fact that you, and it's sad to think think of, but the fact that in a lot of hotels you can't open the windows because of things like jumper suicides and things like that, it's almost sad. I mean, it is sad, but... But here's the other thought, though, right? Especially in this case. So... What would have stopped Elisa from going up that unalarmed fire escape? And jumping. And jumping. I mean, just because you can't get out the windows doesn't mean there's no way to the roof. Oh, absolutely. So, what do we think happened here? Personally, or... Yes. Okay. Um... I think there was a young woman who unfortunately took the wrong combination of medications, which clouded her judgment and altered her clear thinking and had a psychotic break and unfortunately lost her life. I would agree with that. I think that, yeah, I think that, She took a look at that cistern, this giant water tank on the, the roof, and knew there was water in it. 
Um, because they are pretty benign, but like it's it's not hard to figure out what they are. Um, lifted that door, climbed in, took all her clothes off because she was naked in the tank. Um, when she was found. When she was found and unfortunately drowned. Um, now they had to actually like cut the tank open to get Elisa's body out. I don't know if that's because it's a relatively small opening or if because she'd been in the tank three weeks um, as she decomposed and and when bodies are in water, they sort of swell a little bit. Um, As far as I understand, I don't know if that's the case, but yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. This is a woman who, a young woman who, yeah, unfortunately just, medications collided and she wasn't in a stable position as of February 1st. And it's sad. It's, it's, I wonder, I wonder if Elisa had been open with her friends and family about her mental health issues and her mental health journey and the fact that she was getting help and was medicated. If there would have been, a little bit more almost intervention maybe or if there had just been more attention paid right mm. so she called her parents every day but I'm wondering if someone else had known about her mental health issues if there would someone else be checking up on her you know or if she wouldn't be traveling alone yeah you know, not saying that people with mental health issues and who are getting help for mental health problems can't travel alone um, but sometimes we need somebody just to check up a little bit more on us, right? Whether we think we need it or not. Sometimes adults need a little handholding. Um, and I'm wondering if this is a situation where Elisa could have benefited from a little handholding, or if like if she had been left in that shared room would this have happened I or don't know. I don't have an answer other people in the shared room were able to pick up on those habits right just keep an extra eye on her kind of thing right and the tricky thing is that her parents are um were immigrants her parents I believe came from China um Yes, her, her, so her parents were uh, emigrated from Hong Kong, right? And much in the way Aokigahara is sensationalized and there's such a stigma with suicide that, that in Japan, you're going to find very similar processes and mindsets in other Asian countries, I don't want to speak broadly because I can't speak for every Asian country. Um, But, I mean, I can understand because her parents were immigrants from Hong Kong. um, I can understand why she may not have told them Mm -hmm. because there's a stigma with mental health issues. Um, And again, I can't speak. I don't know that her parents would necessarily not been supportive. I, I can't speak for that. And I'm not even going to try to assume 
but it's not outside of the realm of possibility to say that may have been why she didn't didn't say anything. Yeah. But I feel like that's and yes, it's a little bit more prominent in Asian cultures, but I feel like that's in any culture. Like even in the US, there's still such a stigma on mental health and suicide and things like that that people are more afraid to come out and be like, Hey, I need help. It's gotten better. But I can't tell you how many friends I have that would go to their parents and be like, hey, this is a thing that's going on and just be told to suck it up. Right. And I mean, that's yeah, it's it's a there's a stigma. Um, but I feel like I find in more Asian countries, mm-hmm. um, there's a, a Japanese saying. And again, a lot of my information came from My Favorite Murder and Ask Mortician because I think the research done by those two groups are just mind-blowingly solid. Um, there's a – in Caitlin Doty's Aokigahara video, she did a whole video um, in response to the Logan Paul situation. Good. Good. Um, well, good because, that she did a response video appropriately. Yes. Not good that Logan Paul. Right bad that Logan Paul full stop um so there's a saying in Japanese the nail that sticks out must be hammered down or something to that effect um in regards to mental health and and things like that it's unfortunate that she either did not feel comfortable coming out to her friends and family or they weren't accepting of it because she Mm -hmm. very well could have, they said, Oh no, this is just a thing. And she decided at that point to keep it a secret. Right. Um, So it's very unfortunate that things played out the way they did. So so other option and less likely in my opinion, but less, uh, but other option for what happened is that Elisa did meet with foul play. Um, again, she was wearing what could be assumed to be somebody else's clothes, like men's gym shorts. Um, and we don't know that there wasn't anybody for her to be speaking with and that like outside the elevator. So I think that mixed with a psychotic break and the, the less than, Less than, what's the word I want? The less than hospitable neighborhood Mm. that Stay on Main is situated in. It's possible, less likely I feel possible, that that's the right combination for something, someone to have lured her up to the roof and chucked her in the tank um i also learned and i find this very strange and this sort of would sway me one way or the other um they did a rape kit Mm -hmm. and they never tested it big surprise there no not at all um infuriating um like absolutely infuriating but 
so we don't know anything about any interaction she may have had. We don't know if... We just don't know. No. Consensual or not, we don't know if she had relations with someone, decided that, hey, I don't want to talk to you anymore kind of thing. Homeboy gets upset and foul play. Right. But... Yeah, do I think it's less likely that yeah. she was... There was... She was murdered? Yes. Because um, I don't believe that someone would have chucked her little body into the water cistern and not closed the lid. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So the lid was open. Which, if Elisa's just floating in this tank and she's sort of not to be, be so blasé about it, but she was just tripping. She was having a a, a break and she wouldn't have physically had the strength from the water to close it. And that may not have been her first her first thought. She may have been stargazing mm-hmm. from floating in this water tank. Because she was face up. Yeah. So. Like, and she was small, too. Yeah, she's relatively petite. Relatively petite. I, not out of the realm of possibility, but highly unlikely foul play. Yeah. Um, so what else do we know about this case? So we also know that it was the inspiration for American Horror Story Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Finished watching. No, it's, I, I think it's a strong season. A lot of people disagree with me. Uh, I got like halfway through it and then other shows came out, but yeah, sidetracked. Like I'm pretty sure this has been covered. Uh, yeah. It inspired the 2005 uh, movie Dark Waters. It was inspired. There's, which I'm not fully. Well, so Elisa died in 2013. So there's aspects of it that are very similar to Dark Water. Mm. Um, but I think it's very. If it were foul play, I would say that, yes, it was inspired by Dark Water. Uh, hold on. The circumstances of Lamb's death have been compared to the plot elements of the 2005 horror film Dark Water. Yes. Which is a terrible remake of but there a have been, Japanese film. Sorry. But there have <laughs> been a, dozens of bodies found in water tank deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that we can trace any connections specifically back to Elisa Lam. Um, but Ryan Murphy blatantly said that he was inspired by surveillance video of a woman, young woman who, quote, got into an elevator at a downtown hotel and was never seen again. Um, he's not explicit about it. Yeah. But that's that's Elisa Lamb. Um, and again, it's not it's not the first young woman who's drowned like that. So honest, 
on us in Wikipedia, man. Um, eight years you, earlier. Um, I just found came across an article from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, November 2019. Police dogs pick up lamb scent at window leading to a fire escape after body found in water in 2013. See what I mean? So these fire escapes aren't aren't alarmed. So again, you're you're still looking at one relatively solid theory and mm-hmm. one solid but less so theory. So it's very possible it it's most likely that, you know, Elisa climbed under the roof, said let's go swim in and drowned in the water tank. Less likely, but also possible, is that someone said, hey, let's go up to the roof. I know a way that's not armed. Fire escape up. Drowned. She actually wasn't that small. Like, she was petite frame, but... How do you mean? Um, she was five foot six. Okay, so she was average I height. Was, I thought she was shorter. Well, she's average height. Um relatively slim build i would say that's how i would describe her um and again so on the instagram this week we will i'll post some of the video just so you guys get an idea but i also want to just highlight um who elisa was it's sort of like the kitty genovese yes uh, situation where we i don't want to use um certain images of someone so yeah. i wasn't about to use kitty genovese's mugshot even though it's a gorgeous mugshot and it's it's relatively recognizable um i'm going to showcase who elisa uh, was yeah so picture i think that's all we have for the death of elisa lamb um it's it's again it's sad she had um a blog and she had a tumblr um and it's actually still active. Is it? Uh, it is still active. It is still still functional. Um, and if you look at it, it's really likely that one of two things could have happened with the Tumblr as well. Um, and I will link that um, in the episode description. Um, it's really likely that Elisa was actually using the Q function, the Tumblr Q, mm-hmm. because posts were posted all the way through like April, May of 2013. Yeah. Um, and they all seem to fit with her aesthetic. Also possible, less likely, is that I don't believe they found Lisa's phone. So it's possible that someone took her phone and was posting for her. But I believe it's more likely that um, that someone was uh, that she had a bunch of stuff queued up. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. That's a good one. She's yeah. And a brief, very brief um, overview of the Cecil Hotel, which, again, I don't believe that the hotel... Do I believe have places can have bad bad vibes? Yes. Do I believe that the bad vibes of the Cecil Hotel had anything to do with Lisa Lamb's death? No. No. And trust me, I'm the first person who will be like, bad vibes. Tapping out. This is not one of them. <laughs> Um, do we have anything else? Um, for those of you who are struggling with any kind of mental health issues, please talk to your doctors if you're considering coming off your medications, switching medications, anything like that. Um, be aware of your drug interactions, drink plenty of water, 
Um, don't be afraid to talk to, whether it be a close friend, family member, anything like that. There are ways of support and help throughout your mental health journey, but do not, but don't be, uh, and when you're starting medications, don't be afraid to ask a million questions. Don't be afraid to bring up your medical history or what, even if it's vitamins, don't be afraid to tell your doctors what you're currently taking um, because it's so, so important for helping them get you on the proper medication, the proper dosage to avoid any interactions. Um, and communication with your doctors over medications is so key. If you are having any kind of adverse symptoms, if your symptoms get worse or you have new symptoms that you never had before, call your doctor. Yes. Um, we will post in our link tree in the Instagram, um, which again, if you're not following our Instagram, we'll get there. Um, but we'll post a link tree to, um, there are a dozen lists of mental health resources and suicide hotlines and things like that. So that will be a permanent fixture in our link tree for the Instagram. Um, and yeah. I would say, and I don't know, Holly, how you feel about this. I would say, please reach out to us, but we are not mental health professionals. Um, I'm hardly a functioning adult at almost 30. Um, so while we are more than welcome and more than happy to listen, we are not qualified in the slightest. And not for nothing, we have our own things we're dealing with. Um, so please reach out to a professional. Um we love and appreciate all of you, but we're not qualified to help take care of you. Um, if you do decide to reach out to us, please know that, yes, we are more than happy to listen to you, but a good chunk of the time, we are most likely going to tell you to reach out to some kind of health professional because we are not qualified. Right. And it's, and we do it out of love. It's not Completely that we out of want love. to help you, but we are not. We can't able, help you. Able to help we you. We just can't. Um. So the link tree will be on Instagram, which is at Sister Strange Podcast. If you do want to send us an email for any reason at all, um, our email is sisterstrangepodcast at yahoo.com. Um, thank you all for listening, especially if you're listening on Spotify, because that's where all of our numbers come from, and that makes us feel great. Yay. Um, reminder, we have a Patreon, which is also available in the link tree. See how important our Instagram is? Um, and if you feel that you can support us right now, remember, I'm unemployed for a little bit. <laughs> um, and podcasting is not a cheap, cheap hobby. Um, so if you do feel capable to become a patron, all the information for the Patreon is in the Instagram tree, uh, link tree. And um, we appreciate you guys. I don't know the last time we said that. We love you. Especially all of you abroad. Yes. We we have a nice little international coalition going on here. So hello to all of our friends across the States and across Europe. And we will see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.